244 bed assisted living portfolio, which is amazing, amazing deal. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me today, we got Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. How are you doing, Todd? I'm doing fantastic, man. Uh, hopefully you had a uh, fantastic Christmas and well, we're actually pre-recording this, so we haven't had a great New Year's, but hopefully by the time you with this airs, you will have had a fantastic New Year as well. And same thing with the listeners. Hope you had a, a great Christmas, happy New Year, and uh, excited to be bringing in 2022. Uh, looking forward to a fantastic year and, and on the, I think maybe our next episode, we'll talk a little bit about what we feel like 2022, uh, what we can expect, which, you know, who knows, right? But at least looking at what the environment's like today, we can kind of come up with some ideas. That sounds good. But today we're going to talk about something that's uh, near and dear to our hearts right now, uh, a deal that you just bought that I'm invested in is 244 bed assisted living portfolio, which is Amazing, amazing deal. So I'm excited to talk about it today. Yeah, absolutely. We're super excited to get it closed. We didn't know if we would have it closed by the end of the year. We were really hoping to, um, and we were able to get it done. There's a lot of moving parts that you got to deal with when you're dealing with assisted living. Uh, got to make sure all the licensing is in place and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so you can't just take over a building like you can with multifamily. It's not quite that easy. Uh, so we're uh, fortunate enough to have everything lined up and be able to get it closed. And we're super excited uh, to be starting it. We could talk about a little bit of the stuff uh, that we found out and discovered uh, since we purchased it and kind of go through some of the details. Sounds good. And we've talked in depth about assisted living before, you know, why I invest in yeah. assisted living. So maybe we won't get too much into that, but we'll talk more about this specific deal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, real, real quick for those who didn't listen to those episodes. I mean, the demographics are amazing when you look at what's coming down the pipeline as far as the the aging population. Right now, we're kind of in this in this uh, what I would call the this um, uh, time where it's the silent generation, our current residents, and the baby boomers haven't quite hit. Uh, so we've got this time where they, we actually have a pretty good dip in population. So not only do we have the COVID that hit, uh, that weakened assisted living pretty drastically, we also have this little little mini dip in population that are in, in these uh, houses causing uh, less people to be in there, which causes higher vacancies, which causes less income, and which provides great opportunity for those who want to be opportunistic. And especially when we look at the future and look at the baby boomers that are going to be coming into these properties that will be flooding in within the next uh, several years. Um, we're excited about what assisted living has to offer and where, where we think it'll go. And of course, we really uh, like the idea of being able to provide excellent housing services to uh, that population. Um, they deserve it. They, uh, they've you know, lived a long life and we want to be able to provide them excellent services 
and really do a, do a good job there as well. Yep. And you've got a great motto with your uh, assisted living portfolio as well. Uh, remind me what it is. Well, so the main uh, point behind what we want to do with assisted living is we want to add life to the years of our um, our residents. And we want to add life to the years of our staff as well. So we want to add life to the years of our staff and residents. Um, we want to provide an excellent place for them to come to work. And we want to provide an excellent place for uh, our residents to live on a daily basis. And we do that through just really strong leadership with our staff. We think it all starts with our staff. If our staff is excited to be there, if our staff is well-trained, um, our residents are going to have a great experience. If our staff are well-trained, if our staff are excited to be there, if our staff have great leadership, they are going to love going to work. And so we think it all kind of works together. And uh, certainly it, it takes time and effort on the front end for us and it takes continual time throughout. The leadership training is never done, but we believe that profitability wise, uh, we will be better long-term. And we also believe just having a great environment's the, just the only, the only way to go, honestly. Such an awesome approach. I mean, I, you're you're obviously not a slumlord in any of the properties that you own. So um. we try not to be. <laughs> you know, some, sometimes stuff happens, and uh, you know, you appear to be a slumlord, but we quickly try to remedy any problems that we have, um, and uh, make sure we we don't continue being that slumlord. You know, I mean, there's been there's been times where stuff has happened. It's like, oh boy, now I really do look like a slumlord. And like, like I said, you just try to remedy it as quickly as you can. Uh, try to correct that. Uh, and I think residents, you know, whether it's in multifamily, whether there's senior housing, whether it's the, the people that work for you, they respect um, that you're actually taking action because um, it, it's amazing. Most, most people don't expect you to take care of their problems. They just have been so used to living in an environment like you know, everybody's dealt with the slumlord. It feels like that's in the industry. Well, everybody working in the industry, everybody living in it, uh, has dealt with it. So they kind of expect you to be the same. So these two, 244 beds, they're, they're kind of spread out. They're not just like all in, in one place. Uh, they're at multiple right. facilities. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So it's 244 beds. It's, uh, properties all within about an hour of each other. Um, but yeah, they're kind of spread out and I guess someone might be just a little bit farther than an hour from each other, hour, hour and a half from each other, probably. Um, so yeah, kind of, kind of, uh, spread out throughout quite a, most of them, there's nine, basically nine locations. Um, most of the locations have roughly 30 beds, uh, but some of them, uh, have, I guess one building, which is only about 15, 16 beds. Good. And these are all in rural areas. Like why did you decide uh, rural areas versus uh, city center? Uh, a couple of reasons we like rural areas and there's, there's certainly pros and cons, right? So, so one of the reasons we like uh, rural areas because we don't feel, we feel we don't have a lot of competition. Um, 
it's not like a builder is going to come in and build a huge uh, facility. It just doesn't work. Uh, building, uh, honestly, it just doesn't happen very often in those smaller towns. So we don't have a ton of competition. When the exuberance gets high, we don't feel like we're going to have that competition. The other thing is uh, people in these small rural towns are very, very true to their small rural towns. They grew up there and they are going to die there. They are not going anywhere else. Forget it. Don't ask me. I'm not going to the big city. And so they're very committed to their small town. They've got family there. They, that's all they've known. They've got friends there. And that's where they are staying. Um, so, so we like that. Uh, we feel also we've got a much more committed staff. Now, there are sometimes issues with getting as many workers, new workers, but it's a very committed staff uh, that stays there as well. When we're talking a big city, we certainly have the pro of we've got a huge workforce to choose from. But that workforce, we've got tons of competition. They can go many, many, many places. And they're not committed at all. They bounce around quickly. And now, of course, this is generalization. Um, the residents are not nearly as committed to the area. Oftentimes in the big cities, they don't care if they live there or not. They maybe moved in from a rural town and they want to move out to the rural town when they get older. And so they're not going to stay in this, this, the big city. And they maybe want to go down to Florida. They're just a more transient uh, group just as just in general. Right. Uh, and then the competition can be very fierce. A lot of brand new buildings being built. When we're buying and owning an older building and, a, and older by Matt, even being five years old, um, these brand new buildings that are being built to have all the bells and whistles. And so there we can't compete with them. And that's what's happening in these big cities. So um, there's pros and cons to both, certainly. Uh, but we really like rural cities. The other thing too, is we're getting amazing cash flow and the twin cities or any big city, your cash flow is definitely a lot different looking. And how did you find this portfolio? Did you, was it on market, off market? So this one uh, was actually brought to us by a broker. Uh, they had, uh, they had it listed um, as a portfolio, we peeled it off, uh, didn't actually buy the entire portfolio, just bought the section that we liked. Um, and so, yeah, it was brought to us by a broker. It wasn't full being fully marketed. Okay. And then how did you do the underwriting process for this? Cause that's got to look a, a bit different than your usual multifamily. Uh, you know, it's similar, but certainly it's different, right? Uh, there's just, there's a lot of different expenses in there that you got to be aware of. Um, it, it's, it's, it's easy to look at a seller could easily kind of manipulate or hide expenses. So certainly you want to make sure you're looking at all the expenses. You have to understand the industry. If you don't have anybody on your underwriting side that understands the industry, it's really easy. I mean, if you're off on some of these expenses, you could be off by big margin. 
especially if we're talking staffing, like that could be huge. So for us, for underwriting, we, we take the initial pass at the underwriting. We own several buildings. Uh, so we kind of understand the expenses, the main expenses. We've got them uh, kind of itemized in our spreadsheets. So we make sure we check all those boxes, of course. And then, and then we bring it to our uh, property management team and, and they look at it, they look at it as well. And we look at how our other buildings are performing compared to how these buildings are performing by a per unit basis, um, by square footage basis, by a resident basis, and really just kind of crunch those numbers to make sure, yeah, th that looks correct. Because, boy, I mean, it, again, you're off on your staffing, you're off on your food, you're off on your medical uh, and there's so many little things. Oh, we forgot to add transportation. We forgot to, you know, there's just so many little things that you could be forgetting um, that could really throw your numbers off if, if you forget too many of them, of course. So uh, I, I would say underwriting, kind of similar. We're still looking at expenses versus income, right? Sa same thing. Looking at how much profit to make. Looking at how much cash flow it is. Um, looking at what the NOI is and what the uh, cap rate in the market is and, and all that kind of stuff. So very similar in that aspect with just a lot of different numbers uh, involved. Okay. And I know this uh, portfolio had high vacancy rate because of uh, COVID, uh, but it was still in, in you know, making money. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's a, you know, look, one of the things we really liked about it is that it has a fairly high vacancy rate and we're buying it at a basis to where we can still make really good cash flow. And so the essentially the easy value add is we just take and move people into the buildings. Now that sounds super easy. It's it's gonna take time and effort, right? But but it's a pretty easy term. Now we are sticking some money into the buildings and we think by sticking money into the buildings, it'll attract new residents. We're replacing all the flooring. We're painting all the walls. Um, we're, we're doing some other minor things that'll really help attract new residents into the building. One of the things we have to do is attract the resident's family. So think their kids, their grandkids, um, those are, those are the people we're trying to attract, not only the residents. The residents, quite frankly, uh, we don't have to attract them nearly as much as we do have to attract the families because the families, uh, for the most part, are making the, that decision. Um, most of the residents are going there because that's really where they have to go. Like They're not going there because they want to necessarily uh, they're going there because either they realize or the family has realized that that's the best place for them to go to live a healthy life. Um, and, and they just need that care, right? So it's the family that we need to impress. So we, we try to think of who that is and uh, make the right decisions based on them as well, as well as the residents, of course. But um, yeah, I, I don't, I, I got off on a tangent, but well, I'm, I'm curious, how do you find these families or, or how do you help them find you? Yeah, a big, uh, a big way, and I'm not involved in this part of the business uh, nearly as much, but a big way that we find, or I shouldn't say we, the, 
the team, my team finds residents is through relationships with the hospitals, the clinics, uh, just building those relationships, making sure they understand that we've got beds available, uh, making sure they understand the type of the type of uh, property that we're running, the type of home that it, that it is, the welcoming environment. Uh, of course, building a great reputation in town is really, really valuable. If people hear that our places are the place to be, you're going to attract residents. And if it's not the place to be, if, if they're, they're hearing about potential abuse issues, especially abuse is big in these, this industry, it's super sad, but it's true. It happens uh, more than what you would expect. I mean, it's, it's amazing but it, it does uh, amazing in a sad way. Um, and so if you can have the reputation that this is the place to send your loved ones, that's going to, that's ultimately your best marketing right there. Um, but yeah, through, through clinics, through hospitals, just that constant communication with them. Um, we reach out to these clinics and, and hospitals uh, almost on a daily basis through via email, phone calls, um, you know, text messages, what, whatever else. So trying to get in front of them and it's not, it's not as much, you know, Craigslist ads or apartments.com or, you know, stuff like that. Now we do some digital advertising, right? We do have Facebook and other social media platforms that we utilize in our website and all that kind of stuff, but that's not the big driver. Newspaper. We, we still use newspaper and, uh, magazines and stuff like that. But again, that's not the huge driver, um, the reputation and the, 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 the hospitals are the biggest ones. And if you use any government funding, I'd recommend uh, building relationships with the uh, uh, caseworkers or social workers as yep. well. Yeah, that good, another good point. Yep. Caseworkers um, for sure is another big, it's, it's, this is still a very much relationship business. Um, it's still old school very old school. And we're trying to bring as much technology into it as we can to try to stay ahead of the curve. Um, but it's very old school. I mean, if look, we, we took over and the, the staff, it, it feels like so far, Matt, we closed on it uh, mid-December. So not very long ago, right? But it feels like so far we've got an, a really good staff, which is, which is awesome, right? You want to you take over a building and have really good staff. But they don't have any clue about how to use technology. They haven't used any technology. They were so far behind basically the times. I mean, they didn't, they didn't have proper med cards. They didn't have any proper tracking. Um, it was all pen and, pen and paper for all of their medical tracking and all that kind of stuff. And so we're incorporating technology now and, and they're, they're having a tough time getting used to it. Of course, it's only not even a month that, you know, it's only a couple of weeks at this point in time, but it's, it's amazing how kind of ancient the industry is. Yeah. And, and there's a ton of great uh, software programs out there for this there technology is. for you. Um, you know, I, I can list, you know, like, you know, Therap, Carisolva, uh, I mean, care director, there's, there's just a ton of great ones out there that uh, are, are good for this sort of thing. Yep. 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 And so that's, that's one thing we've brought into all of our properties is just trying to trying to get a um, good system. Uh, that helps a lot. So this this industry is very much owned by ma and pa owners. 
They own one or two buildings. This, this person actually owned a lot of buildings. So it's amazing that they didn't have the technology in place, um, but they didn't. And so we're getting the technology in place, but most of the mom and pa's, like a lot of them, it's super old school. They don't have any of that technology in place. Because quite frankly, if you own one building, it's probably not, it's, it's, it's hard to justify the expense of it. So they're going, oh, I can't justify the expense of it. I only have you know, 10 resident, <laughs> residents. I can't do that. That's the benefit. Now we have over 350 residents in our portfolio. We can do that. And, and, it, it, and it benefits everybody. So the advantage of buying portfolio like this is now we really increased our capacity to be able to provide excellent service to our staff, provide excellent service to our residents. We're doing training. We can train all the staff and, and, and uh, to, to care for the residents in the right way. So some of those software programs charge like per resident with an unlimited number of staff and some are vice versa where it's like per yep. staff with unlimited staff. Residents. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's uh. so anyways, very, very important though to, really create those systems and processes and try to try to make it a better uh, place for everybody to live. Uh, we, we took over, it's, it's funny. Some of the stories when you take over these buildings and what you hear and, and uh, um, but these are the types of buildings we, we go for. So we go for, we're looking at buildings that we feel like they have opportunity and there's reasons for high vacancy. The reasons for high vacancy uh, in this case is that the, re the the staffing wasn't, they weren't being trained. They weren't being cared for really. The staff were just kind of left high and dry. And and now I'm not trying to like slam this owner because I actually like, like I, I like the guy. He's a, he's a great guy, really good person. But I think he just kind of, he wasn't into it anymore. Uh, it really he took his eye off the ball. Uh, and I think he'd probably tell you the same, you know, if you talk to him, I, I think that he would just say, look, I have, I, have, I had so much going on and um, these properties weren't my top priority. And, and, you know, that's just how it was. And again, I, I don't think there was, I don't think the guy's uh, a bad person by any means, but he just, he needed to sell. And, and that's what we're looking for. We're looking for opportunities where we can find an owner that's maybe tired or taking his eye off the ball. We can come in and we can, buy the properties and we can actually implement good systems and processes and train the staff properly. And, and that's the reason why there was high vacancy, you know, COVID certainly didn't help, um, didn't help anybody, but I think even with COVID still going, we're going to be able to raise our occupancy fairly quickly once the staff is trained properly, once our systems are in place, once they know what they need to do to get new residents, because they're not doing any of those things right now, or very few of them right now. And was he self-managing or did he have management already in place? Self-managing. Yep. Oof, yep. That's rough. Yep. But yeah, I, I can say like I used to manage group homes. So like having good management is, in place is the key to success. Because you, if you have a good manager, they're going to run the place well. They're going to attract good staff. They're going to keep good staff and get rid of the bad staff. Yep. Yeah, and that's that's key right there is what you just said. I mean, keeping the good staff, getting rid of the bad staff, keeping a good culture. One bad mm -hmm. staff can really snowball and, and create a, a bad culture environment. And so if you don't have anybody keeping their eye on that and really paying attention to, to who's adding value and who's, you know, kind of the, 
like for lack of better terms, the cancer in the, in the group, um, things can go sideways pretty quickly. But you, you're not self-managing you, you've got professional management uh, going in there. Yeah. So we've got a, uh, professional third-party property management company that, uh, that's, that's what they do day in and day out is manage assisted living facilities. And, uh, we are just providing some backend support, um, for leadership, some leadership, uh, training, some, some, uh, asset management, of course. And so that's kind of, that's kind of our main role is some leadership training and asset management, really trying to make sure one of the biggest things that we want to create is our, our own environment, our, our unique environment. And, uh, and so that's, that's something that we're going to continue to bring to these properties is, is the environment we want to create. And when you had the appraisal done, you had a bit of good news come back from that. We had a lot of good news. <laughs> um, the, well, it was, a, it was a real estate only appraisal. So it didn't take into account the value of the business. Mm. Um, so, so it's likely worth quite a bit more. Um, but yeah, we had an appraisal that came in. Um, what was it? About four million, four and a half million higher. Um, than, than our purchase price. So excellent news. Of course, you know, you still got to perform in the properties, Matt. Uh, but it's always good to know when you buy a property that the value is there and we could turn around and sell these properties. We could turn around and sell these properties vacant and still make money on them. Um, so that's always, a, that's always a nice thing when you're able to do that. So you got plenty of wiggle room either way. Yeah, we got some wiggle room. I mean, yeah, we, like I said, we could sell them vacant. We could make money on them. We could get them well stabilized and occupied. We could make money on them. Um, so we're in a good position. We think, of course, that we're going to be able to get these properties to operate soundly. And honestly, Matt, it, this is for us, and, and you know this, but for us, this is a long-term hold play. Uh, we think... The senior market's going to have uh, several decades of growth, and, uh, and we're excited to be a part of that. Uh, so we're looking to hold on to this, these buildings for a fairly long time. I mean, it, all, all our projections and modeling were built on a 10-year model, uh, and everything we told our investors was it's 10-plus years uh, that we're expecting to hold this. And, and I don't see anything changing, uh, at least at this point in time. Yeah. Of course, unless somebody offers us, you know, crazy amount of money, you know, then, then you never know. But yeah, and I think a lot of deals like you have to focus on either you know uh, forcing some appreciation to make money on the back end, or having one that is really cash flow heavy. But this is the kind of deal that I see as really a cash cow because it does both. I agree. Yeah. Um, if we can bring the occupancy up like we think we can, it does, it absolutely, it does both. I mean, raising that occupancy to even 90% um, creates a, not only a cash, cash flow machine, uh, but also boosts your values drastically. So yeah, I think it's, it's got benefits on, on both sides. Um, I'd say, you know, 
we always, when we always talk, when we talk benefits, we always got to talk risk and what are our potential downfalls. And so I want to be honest there. I don't want to just brag to people saying we got this great deal uh, because I do think we got an amazing deal, but it comes with a lot of hard work and it comes with some risks. So when I think about the risks, I look at what's going on right now with COVID. I look at uh, the environment that we're in. We've definitely got some immediate risks of um, continued loss of occupancy potentially. Uh, we've got people are people are nervous to move into senior housing right now, um, and so we certainly have that risk up front, and we also have the risk of what's going on with the labor force. I think those are our two biggest risks. You know, people. People are expecting more pay. People are people aren't taking jobs, um, and residents are hesitant to move into properties. So we got two things that are, you know, an uphill battle for us, uh, but we also have a lot of momentum or, or low hanging fruit uh, for us as well. So we certainly have challenges ahead of us uh, to to deal with. Uh, we're gonna have to treat our, our residents right, and that. That's that's one of the biggest reasons too. I mean, creating a big cult, a great culture, creating a great place for people to work. We're going to attract people. I don't care if McDonald's is paying you fifteen bucks an hour. You're not going to want to work at McDonald's making fifteen bucks an hour forever. But people will come and work in our assisted living properties, and they'll make likely more than fifteen bucks an hour, depending on what they're doing, of course. But they can feel like they're making a big difference, right? They're working with seniors. And if it's a great environment for them to work in, they're going to be attracted to our buildings. And so I think we can combat the workforce issues. And I think we can combat the resident issues by creating a great environment for people to live in. Adding life to their years. I love that. Adding life to their years, man. Yeah. And then what's the IRR on this deal? They're projected. You know what? I, I, I don't quite remember. I mean, I think, I think there's a really good opportunity for us to be, you know, upper teens into the twenties. Um, it's more of a cash flow deal than an IRR value add. I, again, there is that value add, but when I underwrote it, I didn't underwrite it for essentially much value. Add. I underwrote it more for just slow, steady cash flow. Um, and so we're expecting to be able to pay uh, investors a, a very healthy uh, double-digit cash flow return uh, every year. Um, of course, that's our expectations. That's our that's our goal. Um, you know, reality will determine if that's uh, the case or not. But we we really think it will be beautiful. And are you still looking for more deals like this? Absolutely. Um, this seller has some more properties that he owns. Uh, we are looking at purchasing more of his properties, hopefully. Uh, it's great because now we know what we're getting, <laughs> um, which honestly, uh, you know, there's been some surprises, but nothing nothing crazy. Um, we're also looking at a couple other portfolios and, and we're always just looking for deals. Right now, Matt, we're hiring, um, we're hiring a person to scrub all of the locations that we're interested in find all the senior housing properties that fit our criteria and then find the owners of them, find their contact information. And then we're hiring another person to cold call and to uh, try to get leads to, um, to actually sell us the properties. 
So we're working on kind of getting that all set up to where we can try to buy some off-market deals. And of course, at the same time, building strong relationships with brokers as well. Cool. And are you accepting new investors? Always, always. If people want to, you know, look at what it looks like to invest with us, um, happy to have that conversation. You know, they can go directly to the website, uh, venturedproperties.com, or they can just email me, Todd, at venturedproperties.com. I'm always happy to talk um, with potential investors. So we're looking at potentially, Matt, doing a fund, um, assisted living fund. And that way we can, because what we, we get a lot of these properties that are just kind of a one-off deal um, where it might be a 20-bed a assisted living property, but I, it doesn't make sense for me to, to raise money on a 20-bed assisted living property that I'm buying for, you know, maybe one to $2 million. It's too little of a raise for me to bring it to my, my network and raise on it. And it's like, well, you know, if, I don't know, is it worth it to, to add it to portfolio? But if I've got a fund, we could easily just bring that property in. So this, I've never done a fund before, uh, but this is uh, very much potential that we're going to be doing a fund here in 2022, likely in the beginning of 2022. I mean, we're exploring it now as we speak uh, to try to bring some of these, you know, not only would we buy a portfolio like this one, 244 bed, but, you know, maybe we got a, a 20 bed uh, place or a 10 bed place or three or four of them, and we can just add them right into that fund. Uh, helps diversify the risk for the investors, helps us build a larger portfolio. Uh, it's kind of a win for everyone. When you get closer to that, we can have an episode uh, just about how that's going to work. Yeah, because I think a lot of people would be interested in, in that fund model. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, to, I get a lot of questions about funds. Like, hey, have you done a fund? How, do, how is it set up? How do you like doing it? And I think that would be fun to kind of go through my learning experience with it and, and the bumps and bruises that I'm going to probably take along the way, uh, the, the difficulties of raising on it, or, or you know, strategies that we've used. So I think that would be fun to kind of do, just do a follow along with, with our fund process and how it's going. That way you can kind of strike when uh, the iron's hot with uh, these little deals and put them all together, really diversify uh, some great returns for investors as well. Yeah, yeah that, that's the idea, right? Uh, how do we add as much value to the investors while, while strategically building the portfolio? Mm -hmm. so, Good stuff. Yeah. Always, uh, you know, I was just trying to move and shake, right, Matt? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Uh, well, anything else you want to cover on this, this uh, portfolio? No, that's it for today. Okay. Well, Matt, you have a fantastic rest of the day and make every day Saturday. Thanks, you too. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it.